Welcome to The Pink Mug. We have a very special treat for you. Today, we get an inside view of dating and marriage from some of our dear friends, Ben and Havila Cunnington of Truth to Table Ministries. In today's conversation, this amazing couple gets very real and vulnerable about some of the challenges and victories they experienced in their dating and marriage. Single and married girls alike, you are going to so love the wisdom and depth Ben and Havila bring in today's episode of The Pink Mug. We'd like to welcome you to our breakout on cultivating a healthy marriage. This is my husband, a.k.a. my baby maker, Ben Cunnington. It's true. Hello. (laughs) Good to be with you guys. It's really exciting. We actually haven't done this very often, so you are some of the few few and first people that have had an opportunity to hear some of this story. Um, Of course, uh, there's more to the story and there's more that we'd love to share, but we are so excited that you chose to take this breakout because I just believe that sometimes it's the one thing you hear that you've been needing to hear that can really bring breakthrough and clarity. And I know specifically in our marriage, there have been moments that we have sat through sessions or read books or talked to a counselor Mm -hmm. and it's been a breakthrough breakthrough moment. So we're believing God for that with you. Um, and so we've been married for almost 15 years. 15 years. This 15 glorious years. Next month. Yeah. I like to think what uh, Ruth Graham used to say. She said, people said, do you believe in divorce? And she said, divorce never, but murder maybe. <laughs> and I think about that reality and how much I love you, but marriage is it's a journey. It's a journey. No, and how much more do we need uh, empowerment in marriage right now? Like this is such a crazy, wild time that we're living in that I think is, you know, like never before. And I think that relationships are being attacked, marriages are being attacked. And, and so we're excited to share a little bit from our own journey and hopefully it encourages and brings you uh, an extra dose of hope. It's true. I was doing a live recording for somebody recently and it was a, a summit for a business owner. It was, it was a secular environment, but I was going through the different comments. And as there were hundreds of comments, I get to this one comment and this girl says, I hope she says something that will stop me from leaving my husband. Mm -hmm. And then underneath her, another girl goes, yeah, me too. That's it. And the next girl behind her, I'm at that same spot. And you just saw this thread that was meant to be this business champion, you know, building your, your life to, I hope she can save my marriage. And I just thought I, related to what these women were saying because I have been there at certain times in our relationship where I felt like I don't know how this is going to work out and I don't know how we're going to get past this um, but I hope that I can hear something that would break in and help us. You know I grew up in a, a home where I was part of a minister's family and my Dad was a pastor, a traveling evangelist for 20 years and then 20 years pastor. And I grew up with a mom and an identical twin sister. And I liked a full Italian dad who I like to say is almost a girl. And so we lived in this very female home. And then I got married to a man. And I thought what was going to happen is I was going to marry the male version of me and it was going to work out perfectly. And we were going to have the best life because the two shall become one. And I thought I was the perfect person person we should become. Mm -hmm. And so when we first got married, it was, I mean, we just had incredible chemistry and it was exciting. And I was at that point, 26. 
26. 26, tw just turned 27. Just turned 27. And yep. so I had been waiting and praying for my husband for years. And I went from not dating to being very open to dating to dating anybody that would date me. And I was at that stage of my life. And by the time I met Ben, I didn't think Ben was my husband because he was four years younger than me. And I was kind of looking at d different types of guys than Ben was at the time. But we had such chemistry and friendship and so much fun together that there was this kind of spark of like, well, this might be. And so I don't want to go into our whole dating story, but there was a point when um, he wasn't sure and we were talking every day on the phone. And eventually he says, you know, well, what's going on here? And I'm on my way to go on a three week backpacking trip with my girlfriend in Thailand. And he's like, what are we, what's going on here? And I said, I don't know what's going on here? You know, like that defining the relationship. And he goes, well, I don't know. What do you think? And I said, I said, what did I say? Oh, she, she said, she threw it back at me. She said, stop putting the ball in my court. Are you interested in me or not? <laughs> I said, really subtle, I said, super subtle. Okay, here we go. Yes. I had, yeah, my eggs were crying out. So basically we, uh, he I said, said, I'm, I I'm very, very interested yeah. in you. And I want to pursue a relationship. Yeah. What about you? I quickly <laughs> threw back. You? Are you in? So we started dating and quickly fell in love. And within three or four months, we wanted to be married. Yeah. We had to wait a while for our, everybody else to catch up, which is kind of how that happens. And uh, eventually we got married and I was ready to just have this experience. I had waited, I had saved myself for my husband. I had prayed for my husband since I was a little girl. And I just knew this was gonna be the next moment of my life that was gonna be glorious. And it was three months into marriage, we got pregnant. So apparently we were doing everything right. It was working. And yeah. um, we get pregnant and I am thrown into not having ever been pregnant, not having been married before, not I mean, living a very independent and free life for 26 years. And I remember very vividly going in to get the mail and just feeling like I couldn't get any privacy. And I would go in the bathroom and lock the door just to go through my mail because I just needed privacy and, and independence and freedom. And then it, it really escalated to where we began to have these really intense arguments. Intense and fellowship. Intense fellowship. And, you know, of course the makeup was awesome, but it was hard in the midst of it. And finally, at one point we were so, I was so distraught. I remember calling my dad and saying, dad, I, I'm coming home. Like, I, I don't want to do this anymore. Like I married somebody who's not supposed to be my husband. I don't know what's going on, but there's something wrong with him. He's not me. And I'm just overwhelmed. And he said, well, you are home, honey. You are home. And it wasn't that he wasn't trying to help me or rescue me, but he knew that if he didn't require me to show up, um, that I would never have the marriage that I needed. And that required us to humble ourselves. And I remember us going to counseling from very early on, pre-marriage and then marriage counseling after yeah. and throughout these years. But I, I guess what I wanna do is speak to those of you that are watching today that feel like your marriage is in crisis and you don't know what to do and you wanna go home, which means you wanna pack up the car, pack up the kids and leave and you feel so discouraged and hopeless and feel um, 
so broken, I know what that feels like. And I know what it feels like to not know what to do next and to feel like your fantasy and your fairy tale is shattering in front of you and you don't know what to do. And the more that happens, the more you end up hurting your spouse and you know you're hurting your spouse, but you don't know what to do because all you can think of is I must have done something wrong or this is wrong or this can't be right because it doesn't feel right. And I wanna encourage you that even if you feel that way or you've been there, I believe that you can get to a place of healing and hope. It is not over, I promise you that. And if we had thrown in the towel at the times when we thought we couldn't do it, uh, we would not be here today. More in love and more in freedom and more more joy mm -hmm. than we've ever had in our marriage. But, but I look at my marriage and I'm proud of it because I fought for it. And that's been really critical. Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, I think we all have pictures and ideas of what marriage is going to be like or what it's not going to be like. But the reality is um, until you're in the middle of it, it's uh, you don't really know. Right. And I think for me, I grew up in a, a household, a family that was not very, uh, I would say not very connected, not very close, um, not communicators. So we didn't talk about a lot of things. We didn't share feelings. We didn't work through issues. We didn't have conflict. So I think when I got into marriage with you, who a full, you know, half Italian, <laughs> <laughs> full female, very good with words, have a lot to say, very persuasive. I was very much, I think, thrown off by that. Not, well, I mean, I knew you because we dated and we, we had this you know, great chemistry and I really enjoyed you. I think I loved what you pulled out of me. And I think I, but, it, but then when, when our heads butted and when, we, when the rubber met the road of like, okay, how are we gonna do life and how are we gonna build marriage? And okay, now we have one child and doing this daily thing, uh, the daily toil of yeah. life, right? And actually cultivating relationship, not just having fun and not just liking the, the fun things about each other. Um, when all that kind of came together, that was, that was pretty tough for me. Mm -hmm. And I think um, that stirred up a lot of things. Buttons were pushed that were never pushed before. Yeah. Um, anger started to rise up. And so I think this, I think I just want to acknowledge the fact that marriage is, like you said it a minute ago, the two shall become one. And not, it's not so much that which one are we going to become, but it's how are we both going to become a new person together. And that's an often painful process. Yeah. And it, was, it definitely was for me in terms of, wow, I didn't really see this about myself. And wow, I didn't think I was an angry person. <laughs> but it's that, it is, it's that thing of like, okay, uh, before we were married, it was if I didn't like something, I could just leave. You know, if I wasn't getting along with someone, I could just leave and, you know, I won't see him for a week. It's fine. But when you're married, it's like, okay, there you are again. And we're not okay right now. <laughs> someone uh, said, you're not, you're not holy. You're just undisturbed. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, I realized I was not holy. I was just undisturbed. The buttons hadn't been pushed. I had that life as a single person was <laughs> Very easy, actually, because I could do what I wanted. I could go where I wanted to go, do what I wanted to do. So it's, of course, there's challenges of being single. And you talked about waiting for a long time and we have this desire for a relationship. But then it's um, so I, I love how beautiful it is because it is the two becoming one and you're laying you're really laying your life down and, and that's a painful process. But it's a beautiful process um, when we actually come to those points of 
okay, I see, I see the light at the end of the tunnel. I see how this is actually the, the, the ways that I've chosen to uh, work on myself is now benefiting us. So yeah, um, sure. that's kind of a, yeah, a little bit of the, the backstory and I think my early journey and it honestly still to this day, it's like, I'm, I feel like I'm, I feel like I've been maybe behind the eight ball a little bit. I was immature coming into marriage. I don't know if, you know, I, I love that, you know, women have this fairy tale and I've dreamed since I was eight years old, at least for me as a man, I didn't really have <laughs> expectations or, or like dream. Of course I wanted to be married. I wanted to have a family, but I didn't have like, well, you wanted to have sex. That was why you got married. Well, <laughs> that's know. true. That's true. That was the finish line. right? Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm teasing. It was more than that. Of but. course, of course yeah. it's more, but I think it's, it's unfolded more to me in the journey. Yeah. Right. Of the purpose of marriage, the, the pain of marriage, the joy of marriage, the, the, the journey of maturity that actually happens through marriage yeah. like nothing else can cause you to mature, yeah. cause you to grow up, or if you don't respond maybe in as much of a great way, can cause you to, you know, for your life to be very, very hard and destroyed and, and you know, feel stuck. Yeah, you can definitely be married and be miserable. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes in the world that we live in, it's easy to say, well, then I don't want to be miserable, so I won't be married. Mm-hmm. And I think what we don't know is that everything that we want is worth fighting for. And we sometimes have to grow what we want. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's not handed to us, but we have to forge it and build it. And, you know, there's something about our lives that no one can ever take. You know, no one can take your history. No one can take your story. It's your story. And, and you know, I always say secondhand knowledge doesn't build firsthand conviction. And I really believe that. I have a conviction about my marriage and I'm married to the right man because I have fought hard for that. And we're at a place now where we have cried together. We have held each other. We have repented. We have, you know, there are things I said in the beginning of my marriage I wish I had never said. I wish I could go back and take all of it back because I was in pain. I was in anger. I was manipulating. I was trying to control. And I look back and, you know, I, I look at Ben as my husband and I've watched him just humble himself time and time again and say, I'm so sorry, whatever it's going to take, I'm willing to do it. And it's been profound. Added four kids in the middle of that and it gets really intense. So what we want to do just for a few minutes is we want to share with you some of the things that have helped us. Like there are, there's, we could spend days on this topic. So please know this is not all encompassing, but there's a few thoughts that we have when it comes to cultivating a healthy marriage in this season, specifically maybe in the pandemic world, but also just in everyday life. Yeah. So we're going to go through five, five points, hopefully. Whoa, excuse me. This first point uh, seek out counsel and accountability, yeah. which that's, um, I would say these are core values to us. Yeah. Proverbs 11, four, 14 says, um, that there is wisdom in a multitude of counsel. And I love how the amplified version says it. It says where there is no wise, intelligent guidance, the people fall off the course like a ship without a helm, mm-hmm. but in the abundance of wise and godly counsel counselors, there is victory. Um, for me, uh, I grew up in a church world where we we didn't go to, nobody went to counseling unless you were crazy. Like that's how we thought of it. 
and it was like nobody could help you. You went to counseling. And so I came to a point where, I mean, I hadn't, I didn't know anybody on staff that had gone to counseling. I had never gone to counseling. I'd never seen my parents go to counseling. And so when I had our second son, Hudson, um, I was not okay. And I didn't know what was wrong with me, but I knew I wasn't okay. And I ended up going to a pediatric appointment with Hudson and I had two boys in 17 months. So it was back to back and I had taken both of them to the appointment. And the, uh, the doctor said to me, it looks like you have postpartum depression. You seem rather confident and competent. And I said, oh, I, I don't know. And she goes, you're gonna need to find a counselor to help you. So I remember going downstairs to my car, climbing in the front seat, the two kids are asleep in the back. And I had a friend whose mom was a Christian counselor and I called her up and said, I, I, my name is Havala. I don't know if you meet with people like me, but I'd love to meet with you. They think I might have postpartum depression. And she called me immediately. I thought she was very diligent. What I didn't know was that she was concerned that I had postpartum psychosis, which is where you hurt your babies. And so she wanted me in her office immediately. The next day I walked in her office and she, just asked me a few questions and I was very nervous and just uncomfortable, but she went through all her questions and at the end of it, she said, do you wanna know what I think? And I said, yes. And she said, well, out of the 14 signs of postpartum, you have 13 of them. And she said, I would love to meet with you if you'd be willing to every week. So I went in every week for six months, every Friday, I went in and met with this woman and she counseled me through the depression and with my doctor and with a team helped me. But then about the six month mark, she said something that made me want to punch her in the face. And she said, um, well, I, I know that you came to counseling because of the baby, but the baby got you here sooner. You would have eventually ended up in my office. And I was like, what are you talking about? I'm an ordained minister. I love God. I preach at our five services on a weekend. Like, this is what I do. And she was like, your life, you were set up for depression. You were set up for anxiety. You don't know how to say no to anybody. You don't know how to own your own space. You, and then your marriage is, you know, you're holding Ben responsible for things he's not responsible for. You're taking responsibility for things that he is, he's responsible for. And I, she said, if you'll meet with me for one year, I'm going to gather five other women. It's an anonymous group of women, but they all lead. They're all in churches in the area. And we're going to teach you how to build a healthy life through godly boundaries. And I sat in that office for a year, yeah. over a year and a half. Every Friday, I would get my Starbucks cup of coffee, which is all I could afford at that time was one coffee a week. And I would wander in her office and we would yeah. talk through it. And what I found, and this is like a long answer to this question, but, or this, this answer is that until I took 100% responsibility for my choices and what I was bringing to the world, I could not be healthy. And so the moment I held him responsible for my choices, my attitudes, my feelings, my actions is really when I lost, I lost the power to live a healthy and happy life. So we brought people in from that moment on, we were like counselors, life coaches, whatever it takes, we need counsel. Yeah. And we've always been a yes and always invested financially. But I think what's critical for those of you that are listening today, you need to find somebody with godly counsel. That might be a pastor, might be a leader. Right. Find someone who knows who God is and what he says about our lives. Yeah. So when the counsel comes, we are connected to someone who understands the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, we, I mean, we talked about, we started out, we did premarital counseling. We did. We've done. And we lied our way through it. We were like, yeah, absolutely. We have no problem with money. We have no problem with, well, of course we, we love naive. each other. We had no we idea. Were, yeah. It's like, you're, we haven't 
haven't lived life yet. Yeah. So it's you're you're going off the information that you. Well, yeah, you feel like it should be post right marriage now. counseling where you like take somebody in after and we you're like, okay, all those that. lies. That's right. One year post marriage right. counseling. <laughs> um, no, but I think that um, early on in marriage, yeah, we did. We did marriage counseling several times. I think that after you went yourself personally after postpartum, yep. I think that um, actually ignited us to realize, okay, counseling is not only helpful, um, <laughs> it's actually necessary. Uh-huh. Yeah, and it's not just when you're in crisis. That was even critical. Though, even though I would say you were, you were heading to crisis, yep. we saw the value of like, no, this is valuable for actually living life and, get, and actually it's like maintenance on a car That's exactly you know right. you're taking your car in to get oil changed to get work done so that something more catastrophic doesn't happen and cost you thousands of dollars and so we've just seen that over the years and I think what I what I also would recommend too is you talk you know we talk about marriage counseling which I think is very important and very very valuable but I think for me I've realized the importance of us working on our own selves individually. Yes. And so we've done separate counseling. I go to, I think I have a counseling appointment next week. <laughs> she lives three doors down, so because, I always, do I warn him? Because I say, we're, our counselor's three doors down from us, so we could go talk to her. There's just things that come up, you know, and it's not like it's like, it's not like it's one and done. Like, okay, cool, dealt with yeah. that. Um, that's gone, I've been delivered, and yes, God does that. God does supernatural yeah. healing and deliverance and sets us free. But there is this kind of ongoing, we have to steward our internal world, we have to steward our emotions, we have to, uh, and that causes us Heal. to either show up in strength and at our, as our best, or, or not. Yeah. And so I think um, that's been really helpful to us when we acknowledge and say like, no, we actually, do we need to go together or do you need to go? Or do and you that third party, to go? like mm-hmm. that third party unbiased person that can give you feedback um, in a way that doesn't feel yeah. so volatile. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Okay, should we go to the yeah. next point? Okay, <laughs> next one. Number two, protect intimacy and connection. Yeah, so we learned this pretty early on. Um, we, someone had always re- like told us about date nights and connection and Ben's love language. And I think this is really critical. You need to know what your, your spouse's love language is True. and you need to try not to change that and to assume that they have yours. And so yeah. Ben's love language is time. Mine is not time. And he, we would spend an hour together and he'd go, I just want time with you. And I'd be like, you had the most time no, no, no. with I, me it's that I've ever quality had. Time. Yeah, quality time. There yeah. you go. So, it's not um, time, it's quality time. Yeah, that, yeah, he likes he likes all of that. And I'm like, let's just do it. Like, I don't need foreplay, let's just do it. And that's how I operate. And he, he's like, I remember when we were first, we had four kids in five years. So we would go on date nights and he'd plan these beautiful extravagant date nights of like going to dinner and walking downtown yeah, and getting long, coffee, long, long time. Yeah. And I was delirious. About eight o'clock at night, I couldn't keep my eyes open and I would sleep through the movie. And finally, and I'm getting was, frustrated. I'm like, why like, are we going connected? On? Like, and not, then at the end, he anything. wanted like my final performance and I'm like exhausted. And at the end, I remember just going to him and saying, hey, I love you, but I can't think. Like I legitimately don't even care about our lives at this point. I just want to sleep. And I feel like you're torturing me. And he was like, okay, what do we need to do? And I said, I would love a cup of coffee on a Saturday morning and I'd love to move. I need to move mm-hmm. and I need to walk and I need to talk about my life 
life and in a clear moment. And so we would literally, you know, get a babysitter to come over at seven in the morning. The babies were still asleep. We'd pop a kid in the stroller and we would walk and talk with our coffee. And that was critical. We still have date nights. We, the, the goal isn't, oh, we've got to have that perfect date night. It's, right. it's not that. It's the, it's the eye connection. It's the, how are you? I see you. I hear you. What do you need from me? Mm-hmm. And for me, you know, he sends me like text messages throughout the day. I love text messages from him. I love that he's like, hey, I'm thinking about you right now. You know, your beautiful face. And I just, it is just, it's everything that I need for the day. I don't need a phone call. I don't need all those moments, but just those text messages have been critical. Yeah. Yeah. I think it changes from season to season, right? Like you talk about, okay, when you're in the thick of it and the whirlwind of having little kids, a lot of them all at once. Um, (laughs) yeah, I had to, it took me a little while to realize, oh, we should shift how we're trying to to have connection here or how we're trying to like have a date night or whatever. Like you get into the kind of the formula of it, but you really have to recognize. So it's love languages is important, but I think also recognizing the season you're in. Like what's necessary, what's needed, you know, for for each of us, right? Mm -hmm. Like whether you're going through something or whether you we're having just a really busy season or whether our kids need different attention and or whether like job changes, right? And you're you have a different schedule. So like you mentioned the I'm I'm asleep by eight PM. Like, okay, (laughs) then let's find a different time where we can have the best connection. I mean you used to to be a date night. You would come home for lunch. Like he would just make a way where he'd go to work early and then he'd come home for lunch and we would have about an hour together. And that was perfect for me as a young mom. Mm-hmm. Just that little hour. Yeah. Lunch, so lunch protecting, treat. protecting that as long as you are, you know, and again, it doesn't have to be every week you're doing things, but I think the main goal for us is that we are consistently protecting yeah. our connection and making sure that we're on the same page and that we're good. And I was going to say, there's this real, um, this real thing that's happening in our culture right now, specifically as we're all home, there's this enticing narrative that want to pull us away from our relationships and our stories because our stories are boring right now and they're ex- they're, they're just not exciting and there's nothing yeah. happening and it's mundane and our kids are home, we're homeschooling, you know, we homeschooled for 10 weeks and I, I mean, I, I needed to go to counseling just for that. I mean, it's just, it's endless and it feels not exciting and I think we can be tempted to start to create create stories or look, you know, oh, if I had married that person, if I had done this, or if I could go over here. And I, I want to warn us that we don't blow our lives up because we're at a place where everyone's waiting on God. We're all waiting, mm-hmm. but to really protect intimacy. So Ben and I had to find a way to have connection with four boys in the house, a 65 pound golden doodle. And, you know, we're, we're in the, in the, I mean, thick of it. We're putting in a pool so we can't go in the backyard. We're all stuck in the living room and we're looking at each other like, we hate our kids. We hate them right now. And <laughs> why do we have them? The yeah, well, can somebody leave the house? And preferably our four kids. We would literally think like, when are their parents going to come get them? Like, well, I hope their parents come soon. And we'd realize we're in, but we would have to find ways where we would literally, and we love our boys, but we go, just go get a coffee or just spend time, lock our room and just go watch a movie together and, you know, give the kids Benadryl and just have time together. So protect it, protect it. And don't, if you know you're vulnerable to relationships and things outside of the marriage, be honest with yourself, Mm -hmm. be honest that you're not okay and find ways to nurture that relationship. The grass is green where you water it, right? That's good. Yep. I love that. Okay, we better jump to number three. Take 100% ownership of yourself. 
I talked a lot about we that We did talk already. about that. We talked about um, ownership. We talked about self-awareness, mm-hmm. accountability, counseling. And I was going to say, I love Corinthians 7, 17. It says, don't be wishing you are someplace else or with someone else. Where you are right now is God's place for you. Live and obey and love and believe right there. God, not your marital status, defines your life. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a point when you have to disconnect. And I don't, I don't want to take too much time on this, but in my world, I would say the marriage that I thought I was going to have is gone. It's dead. It's a Lazarus. It had to go into the grave and it had to come back and be recreated and restored in the way that God had positioned it for me. Yeah, totally. And for us. I love what you say this too. You say um, after marriage, um, your spouse is your type. Yes. Right? Like, yes. and when you were pregnant, it was right. like, that, that was my type. Yes. Right? So you love pregnant what, girls at that time. That's right. I love that was pregnant, your type. Pregnant yes. girls. That's nursing right. moms. Man, oh, you had yeah. a thing for nursing moms. Amazing. <laughs> but there is. There's this, just, just speaking real quick to what you said about just, especially right now, and the, the thing of, okay, well, after X amount of years and after, then you, you have these thoughts that come in that's like, something's missing, something's not right. Yeah. I, you know, but the reality is, no, you're, you are my type and I'm your type for, for eternity. And that's so right. let's jump to number that's four because right. we are running out of Which time here. It's concerning because I have a twin sister, so I'm hoping that it's not <laughs> just my type, but that it is me. <laughs> it is you, don't worry. Okay. I'm not your sister. <laughs> <laughs> Just we kidding. love you, Deborah. We love you. We okay. don't want him to be attracted Number to you. Number four, okay. create and share a common vision. So this is really important. Uh, we found, and this was really cool. Someone once said to us, if you're going to have kids, have them when you want, because they'll end up being something that you can both focus on together mm-hmm. instead of just picking at each other. And so we have found that kids in our lives have been one of the greatest joys mm-hmm. to building them and loving them. And me witnessing him as a dad has been profound. Like I've loved watching him as a dad. So for us, we sit down, we usually set our pace every year. We sit down beginning of the year, we talk about the year, we talk about the theme of the year, we write that down. And we just keep a focus on what's important to us. Don't let life dictate what's important. You have to set it up and say, this is how we're gonna live. We don't let other people tell us how to parent our kids. We don't let other people tell us how to be married. We are are fully in control of how we wanna live our lives in the space that we're in. We have a, a phrase that we say, it's us against the world. Yeah. It's you and me against the world in our marriage. And, and I think that common vision of, you know, thinking long so term too, because we have to think long term, especially in the moments where it's hard and it feels like you're plowing, but you're like, this is marriage is a marathon. And the common vision, it has to all come back to that. What's the why? What What's are we, why? what are we building? What are we working so hard for? We're working hard so that we can finish well yeah. and finish strong. That's right. And, and I want to have, yeah, a healthy family. And yeah, we just, we love doing that together. We, we do. love just hunkering down. We love saying, babies too, clearly. We do, we do. <laughs> we would have had more babies. Okay, last point. We better get to it. Yes. Um, give grace and have fun. And I think, I, <gasps> I just think, I, I always, I have to tell this to myself more than to you, but to stop taking life so seriously, stop taking myself so seriously, 
and and actually just relax and have fun. Yeah. Um, when I we, when we travel, <laughs> I have an alter ego that comes out. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's Travel Ben. Travel Ben. And He's so, so fun. <laughs> I've got to let Travel Ben out a little more often in our marriage. You know, that's actually when like things are low. There's just the two of us. There's no responsibility. Dating again. Or kids. So just don't take everything so serious. And we would say you have to plan to play. So that was really critical because I'm, we both could be worker bees and we could work, work, work. And, you know, um, and so we had to really understand that because, you know, we work at the same ministry together, we lead together, we parent together, we are married together. We do almost a lot of our lives together. together. We, We had to understand that a lot of our pillow talk in life was about fixing problems, solving, you know, issues, um, you know, creating revenue, whatever it was, we had to realize that we had to have on and off times. And so there was a simple rule in our home for me, which is I'm not a night person. I'm a morning person. Like when the sun comes up, my life is better. I mean, when I get a cup of coffee, I'm like, Jesus plus coffee equals momentum. Like that is how my life works. But at eight o'clock at night, I'm like, I, the mercy has run out. I'm good. Let's try again tomorrow. So we had to make decisions like we aren't going to make critical decisions after 8 p.m. at night. And you're or not going to require me. Yes. To, yeah. to, and the same with Ben. Like I'm not allowed to talk about vacation on vacation. Like where we're going to go next, who, what we're going to, but we're, we're, what we're buying next, why we're buying something. He was like, I really need us to just complete the purchase before you ask or like get the car before we talk about the next car. And so we'd have to really, I'd have to surrender to that. But we had to start to plan to play. So one thing we did very practically is we'd lay out our year calendar mm. and we, I like everything color coded because of, I think maybe my learning issues, but it really helps me visually, um, is we would put in all of our work and travel and mandatory things that we had to put in there and all the birthdays and the dates. And then we would put a plan to play moment every quarter that we were gonna go do something that was just fun and just play. And it was something that was on the calendar and there was significant importance to it. So we find ways you have to laugh together. You have to make fun of yourself. You have to have inside jokes together. It's so critical to build that inner life together of fun and grace. It's true. And you've taught me actually a lot about that because I am a little bit more rigid, a little bit more like, okay, we just got to keep going. I'm a worker bee. And I'm like, just keep going. Like, why do we need a reward? (laughs) Like the reward's getting it done. Like, why do we need to celebrate by doing something (laughs) awesome? But like, actually, yeah making, uh, I think the fun was creating memories together. And that's, I think, the value that I saw even as a family in our marriage relationship together. The fun and some of these different things, it's you're building history, but you're, you're making memories. You are. And you're taking risks. And you're doing things that are like pulling you outside of your comfort zone, which actually create a bond. Yeah. And so. So what we want to do, because I know we're out of time, is we want to pray for you. I don't know where you're at. You might be somebody who is like, I want to be married. I'm not married, but I'd love a healthy marriage and a godly marriage. And that's why I'm listening to this is I want to prepare. And I just want to, I want to just say, that's incredible. Like how amazing is that? And you cannot get enough preparation for the next season. So we want to commend you. Mm -hmm. And then maybe you're a newly married person and you're like, you know, it's going pretty good. I'm enjoying myself. Please don't take it as the worst is yet to come. It, that every story is different. And this is why we have a tendency not to speak too much on it or preach too much on it because it is your story and it's your moment and God will lead you in what you need. Um, Or you might be somebody who's in a marriage where you felt like this quarantine has brought out the worst in your marriage and you are in crisis and your spouse doesn't want to get help or you don't feel, you feel like, 
you know, hopeless means perpetually bad. You feel like it's just bad. We want to believe that God will come into the area you are right now and he will send a breakthrough, not just for you, but for the kids and for your future. And so we want to just pray for you um, at this moment. Yeah. Well, Lord, we just uh, thank you for the gift of marriage. Mm. God, I pray for every couple out there who uh, is newly married, who's been married for a long time, who is considering marriage. Um, God, we know that you are the one who created the union of marriage, that you bless it, that when two people come together under your name and they commit and, and make a, a commitment and a covenant together, That's Lord, right. that is covered under your blessing. Jesus. And Lord, we know that, that marriage is a struggle. We know that it's difficult and has challenges, but Lord, we know that you, in with you, uh, we can do all things. That's right. And that you give us strength. And so Lord, I pray for every couple out there, we Lord, do, God. every couple who needs empowerment, who needs strength, who feels weary, who feels hopeless or alone, God, I ask that you would even breathe on them now. We ask for the Spirit of God to come and impart just by your presence, by your Spirit, an infilling of hope, an infilling of faith and boldness and a renewed strength to to continue the journey, to to say yes to you, to say yes to their spouse, to, to stay in the journey, to stay in the game. Lord, I thank you for every man and every woman who who is um, looking to you, who is committed to marriage, who wants to build their families, Lord. I speak blessing and favor and increase. We do. And we just thank you, God, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today on The Pink Mug. Be sure to tune in right here on the second Tuesday of each month for a brand new episode. We would love for you to like and share today's show with your friends and connect with us on social media. Follow Design Sisterhood on Facebook and Instagram to learn more about who we are as a sisterhood and how you can be a part.